Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Keel. And me, Roger Bell West. And uh, this month, spring has come, and we're outdoors in the garden again, and you'll hear the chirping of birds and the rushing of uh, sirens in the distance. And this month we're going to be talking about, um, well, how to get rid of people. Um, not fatally, but um, ludistically. And separately from that, things that make us uncomfortable. Hmm. And wh- why don't we want to put this in the game, or why are we quite happy with that? Which is really just as horrible when you think about it. Yeah. And also tiny, teeny pocket kingdoms with swashbuckles and... and, and, and uh, folder rolls and, and nobility and, and, and adventure and things like that onwards to chat about something I've never done um, there's a qualification to that in a moment but and something I may never do but which um, is more common in other groups than mine but anyway I'm talking about firing people about saying about giving people an invitation to the world about saying your presence is no longer required around this table now as we've, as I've said before, I I game with two long-term groups and a few occasional pickups and um, ad hoc groups, mostly on, online. And I don't think I've ever, with one qualification, deliberately got rid of somebody. The semi-qualification is that I had one player who the other players disliked and made. He was very annoying. Not as annoying as some of the people who are still in my groups, mm. but um, but but they 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 made his character's life in game uh, somewhat unpleasant because he was being a dick, um, and I consented to that. I'm not sure I would do so now because I sort of hope that I'm an older, wiser, and kinder person. It does seem to me like bad behaviour. Yeah, but I'm a purist, so. So, so is it better to say to somebody, out of game, you're being a dick, please go away? I think so. I've never had to do it. I've never had to, had uh, to the, do the, it. The closest I've come to actually doing this is uh, one player who is, who is, well, is a particularly annoying person anyway. Hmm. Not, I think, deliberately, um, in common with a lot of vaguely techie people, he's very bad on reading conversational cues. Hmm. He's more annoying than a lot of techie people, though. Um, and on one occasion, I, I just said, no, sorry, I cannot run this game with this player in it anymore. I have run games before and since with that player, so it was just the particular interaction of that setting, the character he chose to play, I don't know. Yeah, I I feel that if I break the social group of which my games are composed, um, then I'm going to break the game. I suppose I suffer from the geek... Uh, social fallacies of we must tolerate these people because we have been mm-hmm. not tolerated ourselves in the past. 
Well, I think the longer the group has been going with broadly the same composition, the more of a problem you have here, because the more significant it is when somebody is asked to leave it. Yeah. And if, if somebody comes in and plays it press for a few weeks and says, well, yeah, it's not really for me. I've had that happen, and, that, that, and, that, is, and that isn't a trauma. Yeah, there is, there is no emotion tied up in it. If, if you had to say to them, I don't think you're a great fit for our group, it would not be particularly fun for you, but it would not be a major event. Yeah. Um, but the longer it's been us five... Yeah, the the more work that is. Um, Are there good ways of do, doing this? I I I brought this up because I read um, online, I think, of a group. I oh know it was an alarms and excursions of a group which um, had too many players, and the GM said, "Right, I'm going to make a decision about who I keep," and, and went through some sort of process. And then announced he was going to ask another player who he ha- who wasn't one of the two new ones he'd been considering between, but he asked him to leave instead, just to get the numbers down or just to get that person out. And there has mm. to be a, a cooler way of doing this. I haven't had a numbers problem. If, if anything, it's the other way around. Yeah. Uh, though, actually, at the moment, the Cambridge group, which is the one I play with most often, mm. has about as many people as will fit in that room. Which which is a yeah. perfectly workable approach. The same is true for my Wednesday Wednesday group. I, I tend to prefer sort of three, four, five players plus GM rather than anything more. Yeah, five is pretty much my my limit, and we're running at six at the moment. Though uh, with life stresses, I'm I'm having to learn the art of um, writing scenarios which allow people to drop out yeah. at the la- at the last minute. Campaign frames too. That's that's an interesting yes. challenge. Yes. Now that. That is a, a, a difficult. A different we should talk about that on a different occasion. We should occasion. talk about that on a different <laughs> occasion. But yeah, it is not. It is an art form of, um, and, and you and you can't just uh, do a um, what do they call it when the TV shows do f- lots of flashback episodes? Um, uh, clip show. Clip show. You can't. You can't do a clip show with role playing games. Mm. But the the thing is. That, yeah, there ought to be a polite way of of saying this. And well, I, I, th- I think one has to. Um, okay, mi- be, being British, my basic approach is to try to do this one on one rather than yeah. in public. And it's it would probably take the form that these days I think of. Look, we seem to have a problem here. I'm not getting on with you. I don't know if you're getting on with us. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I do, I think and, and it may be the case that the player is not aware of the particular thing problem they're causing and can do something about it, or it may not be. William Shatner wasn't aware how, how much people loathed him on Star Trek, we're told. Eh. But I, I think the problem is that by the time I've worked up the emotional energy to say to somebody uh, anything, then by, by that point he's reached the point where I want to be rid of them. Um, hmm. I I have far, I have perhaps too high a tolerance for uh, for geek caused social deficits. Um, and I have a fairly low tolerance for it these days because, because? to be to be fair, I think this this is not a generally applicable model, and in fact, it's a terrible model to use. But the model is basically, well, I fixed it, so can you. Uh, I, I still hate parties. I'm never going to be an extrovert, but I cannot be an asshole, and I feel that this is a different thing. Yeah, whereas I have this conviction, I've always been a really nice chap. 
And <laughs> I have to disillusion myself on a regular basis. It. Uh, the thing is, one of my one of my closest friends in one of my groups, um, who shall be nameless, is as socially tone deaf um, as you can get. But as a group, we have ridden out and continue to ride out his inability to um, to hear context terribly well mm-hmm. for the benefit of his uh, of his other good points. Yeah, and people there there is at least one other player who has to be seated on the far side of the play, table from him, mm-hmm. sort of like um, MPs in the House of Commons having to be two swords length apart. But um, and and it's a, it's an art how you put people around the table. But I don't know. I suspect one of the things that stops me from expanding my number of groups, not only time and energy, is that I don't want the hassle of getting involved with new people. I don't know. And this is mm. probably deeply immature of me. Well, it's hard work. Yeah. It is hard work. Particularly if you're not an extrovert. Unfortunately, I am. Um, I, I I feel... Uh, well, but perhaps I'm, not in this particular regard. Yeah, yeah. I'm a show-off. And uh, and I don't know what I'm being so damn sensitive about. But I am at this time. Yeah, and I have not met a lot of new role players recently. Myself, the most hmm. recent one was several years ago. I know it was several years ago because it was at a UK Games Expo where the it was still at the place before they moved out to the Hilton. Yeah, you speak and, of, 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 of meetings I have not been to, but go on. So at least five years ago, now that I come to think of it. And uh, ran a one-shot and one of the players mentioned that she was looking for games in Cambridge and I said, aha, I know a group in Cambridge. Hmm. No, to be, to be fair, more recently than that, I... I done a completely different approach to meeting a new group, which is listening to their recordings, getting in touch and saying, hey guys, do you, do you want a new player? That, that works. I, I believe that works. And um, we are currently putting something together, um, which won't be face-to-face or even spoken over the net, but with people I've never, I've never played with before, so mm, yeah. including one or two I have. So I'm look, looking forward to that. I, I, I don't know why I raised this other than it's a problem maybe I expect to have at some stage that uh, it, it strikes me as as very hard to do and I ought to think it through beforehand. Whenever I have any problem of that, of that nature I go into it very much with the mindset of we are all grown ups here Project, <laughs> projecting that that, right. that, is, that is the key point. I'm thinking it as well because I'm not, because I'm not a trained actor. You could probably fake it more effectively mm. than I could but thinking it and projecting it and giving off the body language and all the rest of it so that the other person is in that mindset as well. I think when I... If then, I did, then you can do whatever I think if I were done. to do it, I would be projecting doom and uncomfortableness. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's... Uh, lying is not necessarily a thing that, uh, that, that actors can do terribly well, as I keep having to explain to people. <laughs> All right, we would exp- appreciate uh, from the Miss Manners uh, out in our audience any tips and help you can give to this problem I never expect to face. Particularly, I think, if, if you have a group solution that has worked, because it may well be that 
you know, I, I, I would be hesitant as GM to say, you go away, because maybe I've been misreading the rest of the group being annoyed with him. Maybe they think it's lovely. Actually, yes, that's a, a very good point. The, uh, the thing that struck me about the narrative I read in Alarms and Excursions was how much the GM was saying, this is my group, I get to say what goes and what happens. Uh, these people can stay, that person can go. Yeah. And I don't think that... I think that may be more common in America. I I don't I, think I, it's I, I, a, think I don't think it's an attitude for grown up grown up gamers. I have a sudden realization that my idea of the GM's position is very much like that of Charles II, that he's absolutely in charge. Yes, he certainly is, as long as he keeps the players happy. Because let's face it, the players can bog off. Yeah, if they want to. Yeah. Um, uh, and manacles and, being not legal for most purposes. Well. Not, not, not uncons- unconsenting man- man- manacles are are, are, are definitely re- restricted to the uh, forces of the oppressive state. Yeah, I, 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 I have, I have on one occasion annoyed a player so much that she left. I'd hope not to do it again. I try to be aware of that, but mm. uh, I, I, when my players find me annoying, they say, "Michael, will you please stop d- doing this game? We're not having fun." That seems fair within reason. Yeah, I think it's happened it, slightly too often recently. Yeah, if, if if it's the same game they begged you for a few weeks earlier, that's more of a problem. But. It's a, a, yeah, it was games which had they felt had not worked out the way they envisaged it. There are always bits that do not work out as you envisage it, but I try mm. to be. Um, but otherwise, you could just write it as a story. Yeah, fine. It's what I like about the games. Shall we move on? Yes. Having me thinking about it a bit recently, there are some things I feel really rather uncomfortable putting in into games that I'm writing or running, and they're not necessarily the expected ones. Such as well, particularly the, the thing that brought this up was demonic possession. Ah, as distinct from witch trials. Yeah, but both of these in the real world are basically ways to oppress people who are sticking out a bit. Yeah, in practice, and to reinforce the hierarchy of whatever religious organisation claims to be able to deal with it. Yeah, um, but, 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 assuming but, there are no, there are no, there is no genuine witchcraft and no genuine demonic possession in the world, please do not... All right, if you really must, write to us and tell us of your personal We don't promise to publish it. No. But perhaps it is because witch trials are part of my cultural background and I grew up hearing about them. Hmm. Whereas demonic possession isn't so much. But also because... Demonic possession accusations are a thing that still happens. Yeah, most mostly in um, parts of Africa, both both the Christian and the non-Christianized bits. Then again, so do witch trials. Yes, but but, but the demonic possession thing just has has a squick factor for me that the other doesn't. Well, the problem with demonic possession for me is it takes away player agency. Unless you've got a player who would really like to play somebody possessed by a demon or the demon itself. I think most people, most players I've met would probably enjoy that for a change of pace. I was actually thinking of accusations of it as well. Yeah. You know, um, um, your, your, your escort quest object is um, hauled off to be burned or whatever. 
Yeah, I think this comes, for me, this comes under the heading of something I tend to avoid because it's all sorts of, of being captured and being on trial are very much major dangers. I mean, I, I was frightened by a policeman at a young age and I've been revoltingly law-abiding mostly ever since. Um, and perhaps for me, the idea of being captured and being accused, I'm not sure whether it would be worse for me being uh, up in court for something I did or something I didn't do. Both are, have um, have really frightening connotations. Hmm. And my players don't want to be captured. They, that, that's a classic metagame thing, isn't it? Yeah, they, they don't... At the moment, my, my Wednesday night group are dealing with the fact that the land they've taken refuge in, they're playing a bunch of refugees, uh, has stern laws against the sort of magic that they're really quite specialised in. They are evil sorcerers, no matter how much they may call uh, their practitioners wizards and scientists. Hey. And they are constantly dancing around the law and discovering the limits of what's going on. And they seem to find that fun. But if I were to go the full Monty, and I've got a feeling I may have to sometime soon, and lock, the, lock them and or their sorcerers up um, and and start the process towards a, a, a trial and execution. It would be very very. It would be very challenging for them. It would certainly, almost certainly, come to the end of the game. Is there a difference between why demonic possession, particularly? It makes a person not themselves. Well, or is it the I, accusation? It's the, it, it's the accusation that I was thinking of because it is. One, one of those classics, you, you cannot prove it, you cannot not prove it. They're going to believe the priest or equivalent because that's what he's a specialist in. Hmm. And then you get children in particular, very often female children, beaten, tortured, starved. Yeah. You've thought this through very strongly. My own tendency would be Well, to... that, that's the first thing I think of when somebody says demonic yeah. possession, you see. Yeah, I see. And, and that may, be well, may well be why that's the thing I don't want to put in. I think I think if I were going to do that, uh, if I were going to make that a thing in the game, and a, a note to myself, given that the accusations of sorcery are, are about to come up, I think I should um, I should go I should go with it. Is the fact that I would make it so that the trial is utterly fair and also utterly ruthless, mm. not not bothering with, with torture, but going uh, because. <sighs> Torture's too too easy and too destructive of the accused character, uh, and and it doesn't prove anything. Whereas the tests of the of the witch hunters and the uh, and the uh, the evidence of the people who saw them casting these evil spells is really quite objective and usable. I'm just thinking of the um, last few chapters of Little Fuzzy, um, uh, the courtroom scenes there. Oh, yes. Where you you have a mechanism which pretty much everybody accepts will will reliably um, point out a true or false statement, mm. but you still have courts and you still have lawyers. I mean, never never mind the alien aspect for the moment. Yeah, you can still say not guilty. That is not a statement that you didn't done it. That mm. is a statement that you are not guilty of the charge. Yeah, which is a separate thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, tr- truth saying is a, a both technological and magical is a an interesting thing to put into into. It, it seems to be a good good approach for the strict god of justice. Yeah, mercy is sitting off in the background somewhere. Oh, quite. The in my uh, uh, brainstorm games, the courts have access to truth compulsion spells, mm-hmm. but they count as. Um, an invasion of privacy as um, search and seizure of documents and the courts will not authorise it without some initial um, proof well not proof but uh, suspicion do, uh, do you have an adversarial system? Yeah, um, mostly yes so presumably you, if, if, if you are had up for something you can say to your defence counsel I will volunteer for truth saying ask me these specific questions yeah, uh, no, because it, once the once the spell's cast, um, the court is always going to finish by saying, "Is there anything else you really don't want us to ask about?" <laughs> and we had a long, uh, a very enjoyable session where um, the entire point was to prevent um, uh, their employer ever going to uh, ever being uh, being put under truth compulsion. Not because he was guilty of the murder he was accused of, because he wasn't, but because of the long list of adulteries which he had mm. um, to his credit, if that's third. Well, I, I think that's actually a fairly good point. Anything goes as long as it makes for good adventure. Yeah. And yeah, a, a trial in which... The, I think this is, the, this, is the, this is the overwhelming point here. A trial in which the players or their client is threatened but can be got out with fast, good argument and uh, good investigation and fast legal footwork mm. is, um, is is more more interesting than one where all you can do is rescue re- is, is le- launch a last minute rescue as they're being trundled off to be burned. Yeah, and similarly um, if, I, if I do use a demonic possession incident it will Almost certainly, be somebody who is absolutely genuine about making the accusation, rather than the "let's just reinforce my power" thing, because again, that makes it interesting. Is it? Is it more interesting? If, nasty people being nasty and not interesting to me. All right. Is it more? Well, they're they're less interesting. It must be said. Is it more interesting if there is actual demonic possession in the world? Not necessarily, as long as there is. As long as there is something that can um, produce those effects, and it, and it may well be that the thing you want to do to that to the person in that situation is treat them for their epilepsy. Hmm. I I find demonic possession a real problem. I found it a real problem when I was running a game of Innomine, because it's one of the things that overwhelms human will, mm-hmm. the, of which Innomine has far far too many, both for the side of good and for the side of evil. Um, I think it's a major bad design point of the game that human beings don't matter as much as the angels and demons do. I mean, mm. it's a game about angels and demons, and it's from the angels and demons' point of view, but nonetheless, human beings should matter. Yeah, because they're squishy and they're not terribly interesting otherwise. <laughs> When you have that, they're much more of... interesting than the than the than the, than the 
angels and demons because the angels and demons are simplified creatures mm. with simplified functions whereas human beings are allowed to be complicated yeah but they're played by human beings are they going to remember to stay simplified uh, I don't know they're played I've, by gamers yes <laughs> I'm, I've never played in nominates it's what uh, I'd well, like to try I'm, sometime but. Uh, I'm a, I cannot honestly fully recommend it, it the, the system needs to be I have no idea what would fix in nominate. Yeah, system. but but both you and John Dolman talk interestingly about the cosmology. Yeah, to hell with the system. System systems are disposable. <laughs> would that this were true. The uh, uh, the I need I need a system that supports the the universe and the themes of the universe. And in nominate system, doesn't quite. Um, there's a there's another topic sometime for talking about very high-powered characters, um, gods mm. and demons and what what have you. Superheroes aren't quite quite it, but um, really strong archetype systems have problems, and, uh, and I've never come across one which I've fallen in love with totally. Mm. Which, given my, my theological interests, is a bit of a pain, honestly. Yes, this is not not archetypes in the shadow run sense. <laughs> I there are things I won't put into my game, but mostly because I know it would squick uh, the players, and sometimes it would squick me. I I rather wish, looking back on it, when I was younger, I hadn't um, included uh, the raping activities of Bruce in my uh, Glorantha mm. games. I'm not quite sure what Greg Stafford was thinking of when he put that in. And I'm really glad that I had only uh, male players at the time I included it. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, but... it's not something I'd be likely to put in um, because either the players haven't experienced it, in which case it's a shorthand for something else, really. Whatever the something else might be. Mm. To, to show that doing, the villain doing it to show that he's a villain is, is trivialising it. Yeah. The... Uh, the, and the, there are plenty of villainous things that villains can do without that. The brews aren't villains; they're monsters. Where are yeah. they are? No, that's a slightly separate thing. But, that, yeah, they are. They're, 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 they're the equivalent of the of the belly bursting aliens mm-hmm. um, in Glorantha, and they are. And they were taken in that spirit, but mythologically, they are the children of the goddess of rape, and the fact that Greg included a goddess of rape. Says things about his mythological tendencies too, mm. right? But there are things well, that I never trust a spider shaman. <laughs> never we, we trust all know a, about them. Never, tra- never, never, never trust a trickster, even when he tells you that he is. Um, Especially then, yeah. But but also, of course, there is consideration that it might well have happened to one of my players without my knowing about it. Yes, true. I and in that case. From my position of not not having experienced it, that's even worse. So yeah, quite. It's it's simpler just to leave it out. I don't think it's particularly impaired the sorts of stories I can tell. Yeah, sexual themes as. We tend to fade to black anyway. Well, so. yeah, no, but but sexual themes tend to be um, uh, tend to uh, se- sexual exploitation themes are either there as a cheap thrill or as a preaching and I'm not sure either of them really has any, any proper place Well, I'm, it doesn't feel the same thing that, that I do when, when somebody has a bit of um, jiggle in, in an otherwise interesting film 
if I want to go and watch porn, I'll go and watch porn. Let's get on with the, what I came here for. Um, Possibly other people don't segment things as much as I do. But. I, I don't know. Sexuality is an omnipresent thing, but there are, there are more interesting ways to show it than, if I understand what you mean correctly, jiggle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a lot more interesting to show two characters getting together and getting and and reacting to to each other. But in role playing games, I don't think it's a it's a thing because we've got gamers there, which is one of the reasons I. There, I, there I are some groups which game. which say that who say they can do this sort of thing. Um, I did sign up for Good Society. Yes, role-playing Kickstarter we mentioned a few months back, and I, I will attempt to run it. Okay, I'll look forward to it, sir. <laughs> I may, I may end up playing the crusty old gentleman in the corner, but <laughs> there, yeah, there are things. Yeah, you any sort of horror game is liable to trigger somebody. Um, that we're talking about death uh, and. And corruption and disease and all those things are underneath the, the underneath the the metaphor of the monsters, mm. and there are all things that real people in the real world have cause to dread. For a, for a longer treatment of this, um, any version of GURPS horror by Ken Height. Yeah, and I don't actually enjoy watching horror movies that much, but I do enjoy running horror games. I like horror elements, but I don't like the horror attitude. What is that? Attitude? Which to me is, there is this thing you can't understand it. Just run away. Yeah, that, well, or, or or if you did something bad, you don't even bother running away. I, I've yeah yeah. I'm much more interested in here is this horrible thing. Let us try to work out how it works and therefore how we can keep people safe, including ourselves. Yeah, and that that's not horror. That's not that's that's. Striving, striving against the supernatural, yeah, which is quite a slightly different, a slightly different thing. Elements of the, yeah, because in the striving against the supernatural story, the people who die from the monster are the NP, uh, NPCs who draw them into the. Or it might be that they fail and everybody dies, but it's what they do before then that matters. That's true. That's the whole. That is the whole theme of Call of Cthulhu that you're doomed. But let's ma- let's make a let's make a good exit. For- and, and one of, one of the things in Call of Cthulhu is realizing that there is a trade-off between magical gruntiness and remaining functional, for example. Yeah. The yes, but uh, the th- the thing is, yeah, I don't understand that the the horror attitude either. But. But it, but it's it's there. One of the the ending of um, of the return of Count Yorga, uh, both the Count Yorga movies, I think, <laughs> um, shot me thoroughly. I I admired them immensely for the way they 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 turned the the, the hero's triumph into spoilers. <laughs> a wooga, a wooga, yeah, a wooga, a wooga. For films of the sixties, I think. Sixties, seventies. Anyway, yeah, but where they turned the the the, the hero's triumph. At the last minute, into 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 a horrible disaster. I thought it was a wonderful piece of of storytelling and manipulation of expectations. Um, but it's nothing I could ever pull out off in a game. 
they would well, they, they would kill me, I think. I, hey. I, I haven't been lynched by my players yet. I, I want to avoid that. <laughs> mm. I well, I I have several players who, like you, don't don't like the um, what we might call the hopelessness angle of Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, I I like it occasionally, uh, but I I think yeah, I would I wouldn't do it in a one shot, uh, e- even a one shot Call of Cthulhu game, which I, which I've run several times. What what I tend to do there, and I've I've run several at the various YSDC games days. Is there is a way out? You, maybe you'll lose people, and maybe you won't. I've, my casualties from a party of five or six are typically zero or one. I, they, they've gone through some horrible stuff, and they're not the same people necessarily, but they are still alive and functional, and so on. On the other hand, I, if I were ever going to pull a hopelessness, uh, a last stand against the darkness thing, I'd put it in a one-off. Because well, I'm, I'm working on my scenario for next YSDC. <laughs> <laughs> Onward. Valued listener Brett Evel asks us about Ruritanian romances, which I think are fairly obscure these days, though people know... Well, I may not know them by that name. Shall, shall we briefly? Uh, well, briefly, the 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 Fonzet origin of the idea is the Prisoner of Zender uh, by Anthony Hope. Uh, there were probably mm, earlier. There, there were earlier ones, but that that was the hugely successful and widely imitated one. Well, uh, it's set. Ruritania was a country once. I think. I don't believe so. Yeah, yeah. The, the the principle is one of one of those pocket kingdoms. Yeah, some somewhere in Central or Eastern Europe. Yeah, that that might historically eventually become part of Germany or Czechoslovakia or somewhere like that. Yeah, um, and Bohemia would be if it didn't exist. Yeah, and they are uh, and they are small, very intricate, normally Catholic, and um, and ruled over by a, a monarchy and have uh, nobles who can scheme and. The stories are about romance, um, the attraction between a ma- man and a woman. Be- about of whom at least one is royal. Of who at least one is royal. But of affection, of affection and adventure, of swashbuckling, of exciting thrills. Um, the the prisoner of Zender features uh, uh, people being kept, uh, kept prisoner, an escape from uh, from captivity by uh, by a, a daring adventurer and a love that is slightly uh, star-crossed due to the fact that um, she's fallen in love with the chap who's impersonating the chap she's supposed to marry. The other major author of this was McCutcheon who wrote the Graustark mm-hmm. series. Uh, I haven't read these but from a quick skim it appears that the, ma- the major theme is royals marrying Americans. Mm. Americans like that. He was an American writer, so... Hey, ain't it? Very popular in the news just at the moment, so it's nah. not. So, pocket kingdoms, um, the, there are larger powers, but they're not directly involved. That is, uh, the, the, and the, the interesting thing is that you know, this got popular in the 1880s, when yeah. Zander came out. It wasn't really valid as an actual geopolitical model after about 1866, 
yeah, where, when, when the German when, Confederation when, fell apart. When George MacDonald Fraser uh, writes the Flashman version of this, he puts it uh, in the middle of the Svetlich Holstein uh, question. Um, <laughs> and, and moves it to the other side of other side of Germany, but the, uh, the, the these things did keep getting written as late as the nineteen thirties. Well, yes, and some, some of the later, I, I think it's some of the later Grassdart books. There, there are communists interfering with things as well as everything else. Um, John, John Buchanan has done his share of these as well. Yeah, true, and, and it, it, it's it, it's because it's politics in miniature, and warfare in miniature, and and great things may turn on what happens to this small country but it's resolved at the level of individual decisions, individual combat, and it's done, intended to be done, with immense style. Um, Rupert of Hansau, the villain in um, (laughs) The uh, Prisoner Prisoner of Zender, he's not actually evil much, but he's uh, but he's willing to um, do some quite unpleasant things. But he will he will do it with immense grace and good humour. Yeah, the the nineteen thirty seven film um, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. plays Rupert of Hensel. Ah, well, he's he too had nice. he had applied for for the role of the hero and, yeah. and didn't get it, and um, said, "Well, okay, I'll go and do something else." Um, but I don't, I don't want to be the villain. And his father said, yeah. "Come on, this is the best villain you you are ever going to get a chance to play." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I had, you know. <laughs> well, quite. Uh, oh, hang on, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, never mind. It'll come to me. But yes, uh, I, I, yeah, he's really quite a little too nice to play um, Rupert of Hensar. I used to. I used that. Him playing Rupert of Hensar as a character illustration in a traveller game with mm. the, the decadent aristocrat. Well, yes, uh, decadent aristocrats are definitely a thing. Except that we are supposed to sympathise uh, with the aristocracy generally. It's there, there. There would be games to be played oh, there, about. There are definite heroes and villains. Yeah, there would be games to be played about what it's like to live in um, in uh, Ruritania underneath these um, arrogant sods. Uh, sudden changes of uh, power. Sudden changes of power. Absolutely no sign of a. Uh, of a of a parliament or any sort of representative democracy, I I should probably confess to my uh, fanfic uh, reading habit, having uh, dragged me into a rather nice uh, series of um, of stories, uh, Buffy crossover called um, called the Education of Dawn Summers, in which uh, Dawn is currently um, uh, being educated at Queen Flavia University in Ruritania. <laughs> Uh, and M is amongst her uh, her uh, matriculation board, but uh, uh, Judy Dench is M, of course. I'll, I'll uh, point point to it in the uh, in, yep. in, uh, in, in the notes. I now, obviously, this is immense fun um, for uh, uh, for any sort of thing. The 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 main game which focuses on this is, of course, Castle Falkenstein, which. Is yeah. Why did it take so long for this sort of setting to be used? I have no. I well, it's it's not a genre thing. It's very specific to uh, Europe in a particular time period. Um, 
swashbucklers uh, is a bit of it. Gert swashbucklers sort of touches on the early bits of it, but he's more concerned with the Three Musketeers type. Mm. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 it, what, it's just low-tech enough that you can still have a sword duel. Yes. But you could also have a pistol duel. And there, and there are railways and uh, and other high tech bits, sort of off in the corner. Um, the Prussians yeah, and, could and march it's possible for somebody to have a Gatling gun under a hay wagon, that sort of thing. That sort of thing. <laughs> uh, but really, that sort of it's, uh, bringing in industrial warfare sort of breaks the the spell. Of well, the, thing. the thing is, it it's it's not here is a machine gun battalion. It's here is this one terrifying weapon. Yeah. Be- because. This is a small power. Everything happens in miniature. Yeah. That your small band of friends can make a difference. I think it is a problem when you bring it to uh, role-playing games that it is so aristocratic. Um, the uh, Castle Falkenstein conquers this uh, to an extent by having uh, plebeian-born engineers, some of whom are are dwarves. Um, and incoming in, in heroes from other worlds, and um, the adventuress as a as a playable character type. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still feel it's still of its nature a very um, aristocratic setting and type of, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But as I say, I have a sort of impulse to say, wonder what it would look like from underneath when you're the revolutionaries. Yeah. I wonder if it might work better with one shots. You know, you, you you are the king's loyal band of hunting companions, hmm. and and your your job is is to uh, get get him out of the out of the marriage to the uh, terribly aristocratically appropriate but rather horrible princess who's been found for him. Yes, uh, yeah, that you might even have the king un- as an NPC in this case. Unarranging marriages um, is a speciality. <laughs> I I what was I going to say? I think. Uh, Rain has what's called the, the, the I think they're called the dirt duchies. The really the idea of setting your making your company the ruling council of a very small kingdom between ma- major powers, hmm. um, and that's uh, deliberately set up as a thing in uh, in the uh, default world, Helmo Melosa um, of of the game. Uh, that sounds. Good. I've never actually played it all the way through. It sounds like like a like a neat sort of thing, but I think it needs careful balancing of the rival powers if you're going to make the uh, company level of it work right. But I've said that before yeah. about rain. The the thing that doesn't generally come into this particularly is the, those big powers, unless they are sponsors of one of the um, factions. Yeah, and and when they are, it's generally of the player characters. You know, they they will say, you know. Um, it it is um, important to British interests that the king should do this such and such. So so go and make sure he does. Yeah, in, in okay. uh, uh, you you random adventurer rather than you member of the diplomatic service. Yeah, the uh, well the in uh, Castle Falkenstein solves this by a making the Ruritania Bavaria, which is a big Ruritania, mm-hmm. and let's face it, you've got those castles which make it very Ruritanian. Indeed, and and and, uh, and and in the the game universe, it's ruled by a slightly saner mad king, and also me, this this means that the the British steam lords and the Prussian war machine and all the other nations of Europe 
are scattered around it and Bavaria is leading a, a, a semi-secret alliance to stop the evils of some of their neighbouring powers from spreading. <laughs> the British are the hated British in this, I'm afraid, mm-hmm. apart from uh, uh, the Prince of Wales, who's a jolly good chap. <laughs> yeah, it does seem to be that one, one way one could update it a bit is, is, is to uh, go for a Cold War feel, not I'm possibly in the original setting. Yeah, but you know, uh, as it might be, England and Prussia, or England and Russia, or whoever mm. have have their spies. You know, the small country is a good place for spies. Uh, there's a uh, Romanov and Juliet. That's uh, a Peter Ustinov play about the uh, two star-crossed lovers, the America, uh, the children of the American and Russian ambassadors in his uh, minor uh, European state. Yep, that's the um, sort of thing that could work well. I, uh, Joe Walton, to whom all plays, um, once ran a very good LARP, which was um, which was Florin and Gilda uh, coming <laughs> out of the Cold War um, and trying to um, uh, restart a, a new state uh, between the uh, between the various um, uh, powers surrounding it. It was only a one-off, but it was a very well well done. Yeah, one of the things that. Um very much struck me while I was reading Buck and uh, the House of the Four Winds is that yes, it, you know, it's the nineteen thirties and you know, communists are the are the dreadful enemy, but but the, these these nice chaps with the coloured uniforms are obviously going to save us from communism. Yeah, well let's not worry about that too much. But the the problem is that twenty years later, for all for all the putting of the right king on the right throne, it was going to be the People's Democratic Republic of Avalonia and um Yeah. What can you do about it then? Is it still potentially interesting then? It's well, if you're not afraid to change history, uh, and that you don't, from the, uh, and if you if you have players who will not go with out of character knowledge, then yes, I mean maybe there, maybe there is tragedy waiting in the in the wings. The, but you don't know that um, everything's doomed, and a nation has a long lifetime, and sometimes they emerge the other side. Or, in a more swashbuckling sense, um, hide the king from the secret police. Yeah. Put him back on the throne in such a way that the Soviet tanks don't roll across the border. Theoretically Tricky, possible. Tricky, but, you know. Theoretically possible. I think... I uh, I think the... Uh, there has to be a sense of doom, actually. I think there probably was a sense of doom in the 1930s um, in, the re- in the real world. I don't... I, yeah, the, a, I don't, a lot of it was facing the wrong way. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the well, there were there were two wrong ways. To, uh, to be, well, Mo- most of the pulps are are basically saying a communist revolution is the thing we need to be scared of, and these fascists seem to be a good step in the direction away from that. Now, that may just indicate a, a preference of, in the, the psychology of pulp authors. True, um, the, but, or, but certainly or, they got pulp, they got pulp, an audience. Pulp, pulp publishers uh, too. The yeah, I. All too many of them have um, characters who, who are clearly meant to be villainous merely because they were Jewish, which is one thing at least that has stopped. Yeah. We ought to talk about pulp one day. Mm. Um, what makes pulp? I think there are lots of opportunities you can go for to make um, Ruritania uh, work. I'm not sure... I, I'm fairly sure it makes a better short-term thing than it does a long-term Thing. Possibly. Um, 
you could do something Pendragonish mm. in terms of uh, playing the family. Yes. Rather than the individual. The the natural ending to that campaign, I guess, would be Germany unites, Czechoslovakia unites, and you're you're trying to jockey for a good position for your family and your people in the Greater Republic, hmm. or whatever. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. the 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 thing about Ruritania is partly its fragility. It's it's everything in min, in miniature, yeah. and and once. The mass armies start start uh, to move. One wonders why how these little kingdoms survived Napoleon. Facing down uh, Napoleon's agents is another um, possible setting for this sort, sort yep. of mi- uh, mini realm. I am tempted, fairly constantly tempted by the the possibility to bring in hidden magic and secret abilities, which make the Survival more likely. That seems fair enough. But uh, you don't have to. Uh, oh, there is a post-war one. Um, the Mouse That Roared. Of course, yes. But always d- done with high satiric uh, intent. Yeah. Uh, well, p- part of the problem, of course, Grand is... Fenwick. By, by, by the 50s, you don't really have a lot of actual kingdoms anymore, and doing it about republics just isn't as fun. Uh, the, well, the, 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 the Grand Fenwick is... Um, is a is a duchy or yeah? Uh, it's not. It doesn't. It's sovereign, but it doesn't claim to be anything magnificent. And uh, uh, and it's what one valley um, and uh, and a, a lot of uh, a lot of grapes. There there is a trick you could use. Um, there's there's a proper term for this which I've forgotten. But basically, there there are small chunks of territory which are unclaimed. Yeah, not very many, and not anywhere you'd actually want to live. No, the the, the one that I have in mind is uh, in Africa, where basically there are, there are two separate treaties that drew up a border, which got it slightly different. Yeah. And um, if if you follow Treaty A, then the country to the north gets area number one, which people actually want, and yeah. not area number two. And if you follow Treaty B, the country to the south gets area number one, which people want, and not area number two. So that, because they both claim they both want area one. Neither of them claims area two, uh-huh. <laughs> which which would be tricky to arrange on on a larger scale. But uh... yeah, 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 yeah. I, there, there's 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 only so much fun you can have in a bit bit of bla- bit of blasted desert that nobody wants. Admittedly, if I were a supervillain um, or a the secret returned sorcerer, it would make an ideal location mm. uh, for my secret headquarters. The symbolism alone. Yes, this is mine. Take it from me if you dare. And, and all because Marshal Ney's draftsman's pen was unusually thick that day. Hmm. Yeah, these things don't happen but, with yeah. GPS. Yeah. But absolutely, you need castles. You need royal families. Yeah. You need princesses. Especially princesses. I, I, I feel a lot of the princess in these stories is a bit much. We could probably allow the princess a slightly more liberated role if we were setting up this sort of campaign. Oh, absolutely. Um, as oh, it, there, there's a Master Bujold bit in in um, other in an excellent book anyway, where a, a courier rider gets off a horse, um, is noticed by the observer as female, pulls from the horse the wrap round skirt which she puts over her leggings, and now she is wearing a skirt. She says he's a respectable woman and can can walk into the court and de- deliver her message. Yeah. <laughs> This is the sort of thing that a princess can do. 
I, I think, I think, uh, functionally speaking, uh, princesses do not ride courier. Um, no, 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 but, but you know, yeah, it, it's more likely to be the other way around. So, some somebody stabs the king, she 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 uh, re- removes the dress to reveal the practical breeches and starts swinging from chandeliers. Yeah, <laughs> 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 all right, yes, uh, her royal height, her, her royal are necessary, obviously. I've never been convinced of the load-bearing capacity of chandeliers, but maybe it's because I'm a big chap. Um, well, come I, on, it starts being basically a cartwheel. Well, yes, they only put up enough enough chain to support the the, the candles <laughs> and the lights. Not 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 eighteen stone chaps. I flatter myself swinging from uh, from them. But maybe in Ruritania, the health and safety regulations say that you have to have load-bearing chandeliers. After the um, sad affair of King Max the Athletic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in memory of whom? Uh, yes, the 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 the, 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 the yes, I think I think on the whole uh, that that Ruritania. If you look at it too closely, it gets to be a far too silly a place. That may be another reason arguing for shorter campaigns or at least closed campaigns. Yeah, I suspect Ruritania. Uh, all right, it's what like what we were saying earlier about um, implied tragedies. Um, if you take things to, if you put certain things in the game, if you push Ruritania towards the dreadful things that are are implied are going to happen too closely. Then things could get very bloody, but, but the, the but hero is there. And th- this is a heroic swashbuckling game, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, so, so horrible things can be threatened, but shouldn't actually come to pass. Yeah, and uh, and the villa, the villain should think that he has triumphed, only to find that the heroine has stuck her rapier through his thighs. Oh, where does these mental images come from, Michael? You really must suppress them. <laughs> So apart from Castle Falkenstein, which I'm, I admit I haven't actually played, yeah, um, there was Lace and Steel. Lace and Steel is very pretty. It's more. Um, it, it's it's technically uh, yeah. Ruritanian in the in the sense that it's it's little little Middle European countries. Yeah, but with uh, with um, unicorns and satyrs and very lovely Dunbar uh, illustrations. And it's at the early end of the swashbuckling period. It's it's three musketeers yep. time rather than um, uh, rather than current. It had a not very intuitive system. I seem to recall mm. using right, right. specialized cards. Yep. Um, it allowed for dueling sorcerers, which is neat. And if I were adapting it again, I, I used uh, GURPS for it, and it wasn't wasn't terribly suitable as I understood GURPS then, but you could make it more so nowadays. Mm. Or maybe Fate would work better, but um, as I say, my experience with Fate is fairly limited. I don't really want to comment on Fate anymore until I've either understood it or given it up completely. Fair enough. <laughs> I it, it would work, I think, with a very light uh, RuneQuest um, uh, setting. It It's... it's uh, it's not very developed, is the thing. It doesn't have any, as far as I know, apart from the two books that got published for it, that's it. Yeah. And it looks gorgeous. Um, 
and if somebody were to kick were to work up the enthusiasm to expand it and, and kickstart it, I think they might get some response. Mm-hmm. But we'll probably now find somebody did it five years ago and we didn't notice. Well, true, this happens a lot. Uh, I, I, and I, I keep I keep checking to see if anybody's brought back uh, Everway and stuff like that, but it never seems to happen. So what, we, we've been talking about the historical setting. I, I think one could also say it's a potentially useful model for um, fantasy settings as Definitely. well, or, or yeah, non, non-Earth settings. Non-Earth settings. And you, you could, ha- as long as you've basically got at, at least the one big power and preferably more. Yeah. That are far enough away that they can't immediately just squash things. The uh, Bainstorm again, the the uh, island of Arater, which is settled by Fran- people that are so fucking French. It is <laughs> it is terrible, and they have rapiers and the, and uh, better ships than the rest of the continent, um, and they are sort of balancing between the Muslim powers and the empire to which they nominally owe allegiance. And uh, it's it's not quite small enough scale, but it certainly has elements of Ruritania to it. Mm. And you have sorcerers on top of that, and, and the high mana areas, out of which monsters occasionally leak. Yes, high mana is very annoying in GURPS. It's no use at all if you're already a spellcaster. Yeah. You have to go to the interesting places where there's very high mana, and that's yeah. great. Yeah, and when you go to very high mana, you have to be very careful if you're ex- about expressing any wishes whatsoever. Ever. Oh, it takes a little mental discipline. Yeah. <laughs> and player characters are so well known for that. The, I think... the, the thing that doesn't come in very often is, is multiple kingdoms. Mm. Multiple small kingdoms. The Yeah, I don't know enough about the way the Holy Roman Empire functioned before the Thirty Years' War, mm. or after for that matter, to say what that was really like. But mm. it strikes one. I know there's a D and D supplement about the Thirty Years' War, but that's just depressing, to be perfectly honest. Well, yes. Um, the the way small kingdoms balanced each other and small wars would see a, a setup like like the Hellrone and Empire, where they have religion and culture in common and a nominal ruler, but. And, and prob- apart, probably their royal families intermarry quite often. Uh, who else were they? Are they going to marry commoners? Foreigners? Foreigners. <laughs> well, yes, foreigners, but not common foreigners. <laughs> that would and, be... and so, so there's going to be a horribly intricate web of alliances. Yes, and 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 you need to consult uh, consult a, uh, a a book of the nobility uh, before you actually go and flirt with anybody. Don't ask about the dotted lines. <laughs> Yes, she's my cousin, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> I th- yeah, I, I, I would think that the, pr- the problem there would be do you choose a particular country as the good country or do you leave it open to the, to the players where they want to be and what sort of place they want to be? Well, that would depend on, on the setup. I mean, if, if it's a game where the GM is setting things... Yeah. Explicitly, then I was thinking about the problem for published things rather than uh, hmm. rather than for uh, homebrews. For a homebrew, I think the way to do it would be to say, "All right, you choose what characteristics your uh, nation has, and that affects the characteristics your neighbours 
have. Sort of, mm. um, yeah, yeah, a, a country generation. But also a bit program. of balance. So, so, so if you if you say we have a very weak military, then probably your neighbours will too, because that keeps things interesting and relatively balanced. Yeah. Um, but if you say I have, we have this advantage, then your neighbours also get an advantage. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think we we have the coal. I have the iron ore. Yeah, we have. I, I think I think the balancing point would be. We are slightly stronger than all our neighbours individually, but if they ever got together, so we need to keep them sweet. Yeah, and uh, uh, and we need to keep the King of X away from the Duchess of Y, um, because if they ever intermarried, we'd be dead. <laughs> right. I think that w- I think that would be the way to do it. I'm not sure how you do geography in that case. Geography is very important. Random. Start in the middle and work outwards, I guess. Yeah. And traditionally, you, you have lots of mountain ranges, you know, high forests, things yeah. like that. The Balkans never turned out to be an interesting place for adventure because everybody hated each other. Yes, I think that may actually be the key thing. Um, a rude retainer is generally well-mannered. Yes, that's true. And Rupert of Hensar wants you dead. But he, but he, but he's he, going to be polite about it. Yes, I'm terribly sorry that I have to lock you in this dungeon, which is rapidly filling with water. Uh, you are a chap with whom I could feel I could have had a very interesting uh, relationship, or at least uh, as but a bottle or two. But on the other hand, you know, business, duty. So much to do. My wife to murder. The other country to blame for it. <laughs> <laughs> Put the reference in the footnotes, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, the later hi- history of uh, of Florin and, uh, and Gilda is definitely, can definitely be exploited at multiple time periods. Mm. Um, I, I think there are a lot of things you can do with this. I think there are probably limits, as we as we've said. Yeah. And starting with, I think you need players who are comfortable regarding aristocrats as the good guys, or at least some aristocrats as the good guys. Yeah, they may be terribly modern aristocrats who care to do care about the welfare of their peasants, but they still have peasants. Yes, and the peasants still don't get a vote. No, well, they'd only misuse it, well, spend I... it on beer or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. It's well known that, 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 that beer corruption is a major problem in all the major democracies. I keep finding people on the internet who want to tell me how democracy really isn't a good idea. I don't know if I'm fighting the good fight against uh, uh, resurgent fascism or just just arguing with idiots. Throw Churchill at them and run away? Yeah, uh, they they quote Churchill at me. He's he's got some very devious uh, bits in his record as Churchill. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Onward, upward, sideways. That has been Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice. And if you want to tell us about the delightful little pocket kingdom you have discovered, or your tragic love affair with the Queen, uh, then you can contact us via the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly. 
I will be back for more delightful and hopefully outdoor um, reminiscences and uh, wanderings and ponderings next month. <laughs>